It's Wednesday afternoon. Time once again to say hello to Paul Harrison for a bit of Hong Kong history from Walk the Talk. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about the Ladies' Recreation Club. I don't know why I said it like that, but I feel I should. Uh, The Ladies' Recreation Club. Yes. Where does it have its beginnings? Mrs. Coxon wrote a letter to Stuart, who we've covered before. He was a schoolmaster who joined the government Mm. and saying, we need... Um, somewhere for the ladies in summer to help our dull, monotonous life. It's okay, our um, colonial sisters in Bombay and Shanghai both have their clubs, and the men have their cricket and racing club. We should have something too. So this goes to the very male civil service at the time, who several of the civil servants write their condescending notes in the margins. Such as... If their life is so dull and monotonous, what they need is some men. (laughs) Another right, um, they'll have some patrons at least, I suppose. And Marsh, who is remembered by Marsh Street in Wan Chai, wrote to the Secretary of the Colonies, we're giving them some land, but don't worry, it's only some bad land, so we're only going to charge them a dollar a year as rates. I don't know if they only get to pay a dollar a year these days. Um, but in return, it's only for recreation. If they do anything at all, else at all, it'll be returned to the government. Like what? Well, if they started to use it as offices. Business. If, yes, if they started making money. Horrors of horrors, horrors, women making their own money. And he wrote, the English, the Germans, the Americans and the Portuguese all use it. So we have all classes present, apart from the Chinese. They don't need it because they don't exercise. Oh, my God. (laughs) Another wag in the civil servants wrote in the margin, they're happy people because they don't have any livers. Presumably he had drunk too much the night before and was suffering from a hangover. (laughs) So um, the club is set up. The, The earliest... Uh, active leaders are Mrs. Jackson. Uh, there's no remembrance of her apart from to her husband. He's Jackson in Statue Square. So his wife was one of the leaders of it, as well as Mrs. Marsh, who had, um, whose husband had done the bureaucracy to set it up. It was opened by Lady Bowen, uh, the governor's wife, and they had four tennis courts, two of grass and two of clay. On the band of the buffs, the West Kents played at the opening. And it was useful because families could come down from the peak, meeting their husbands coming up from their office in Central, so they could all meet together. So the men were allowed in the ladies' yes. recreation club. Were they? Mm. And what kind of recreation did the ladies want? Well, they played tennis, but it was very genteel tennis because in the Victorian dresses they wore, even in the Hong Kong heat, Goodness. they... They just played pass ball to each other. They didn't play competitively um, because they didn't dare um, bend over to pick it up. They they played croquet, but um, there was a man who kept winning it called Paul Hodgson. So everyone got bored of croquet. What was he doing in the ladies' recreation club? They should have banged him. He's got his cricket and racing, (laughs) Mm. didn't he know? They played cricket, but they had a similar problem that they couldn't run for the ball. So the men did the bowling and the batting for them. So what did they do? (laughs) So presumably they were just the fielders. But (laughs) but they weren't able to run very far because they presumably had the same problem that they had with tennis. They they probably didn't want to break into a sweat either. It would be very unladylike. Or perspire. 
Hmm. Anyway. They also had a rifle range, which is now where courts seven to nine are. Now we're talking. Um, and some trophies from the rifle range survive, but they're only out to shoot once a month. Because? Uh, maybe because of the noise. Mm -hmm. Kipling went there. Rudyard. Uh, Rudyard Kipling. And he said, um, I climbed to the civil station of Hong Kong, which overlooks the town. There in the sumptuous stone villas built on the edge of the cliff and facing shaded roads, in a wilderness of beautiful flowers, on a hush calm, it's like an Indian upcountry station. They are all better off than we. And then he goes on to describe their clothing. In one point they are superior. The ladies have a club of their very own, to which I believe men are only allowed to come on sufferance. At a dance there, there are about twenty men to every lady, and there are practically no spinsters in the island. The inhabitants complain of being cooped in and shut up. They look at the sea below them and long to get away. Some things never change, eh? <laughs> But not many of the records survived from pre-war because, like many things, many of their records were destroyed in the war. And when they came back to the clubhouse, one person described it as being a slag heap and a car park. So lots of work needed to restore it. They needed 50,000 and so they raised the membership uh, fees and a lady called Mrs. Prophet ruled it for nine years and she turned round the finances by doing, amongst other things, debentures. Did you just say her name was Mrs. Prophet? Mm. Fantastic. <laughs> she was a prophet with a PH, though. Oh, okay. But she turned a profit with an F. Mm. In 1949, the swimming pool opened, but appropriately for something wet, it opened in an absolute downpour. <laughs> and she spoke, gave her introductory speech standing under the diving board. But her speaker broke, and so she uh, had to project her voice. She couldn't use electrics to project it. Poor love. In 1969, the men got fed up of paying for it. They said, no taxation without representation. If we're to pay for our ladies' fun, we should have some saying in how it's run. And it led to heated meetings and votes. They actually voted on this issue three times until they got the vote they wanted, which was that it should stay the ladies' recreation club. And in one of the speeches, Mrs. Wive says, we've got um, the club which for the least money provides the most amount of services. So well done to her. And in the 1960s and 70s, they were particularly strong in swimming. In 1970, in the Cross Harbour swimming race, when the harbour was clean enough so that people could actually swim in it, mm. um, the ladies came first, second, third, fourth and sixth. And they let the men from the Ladies' Recreation Club swim. They came second and third and two in the top ten. Fantastic. And in 1972, in a Hong Kong swimming gala, the Ladies' Recreation Club got 28 out of 34 gold medals. And wow. in the 1972, 76, and they would have sent two to the 1980 Olympics, but they were wrecked because of the boycott. They sent people to the Olympics. The Ladies' Recreation, Recreation Club. Club had Olympian swimmers. Wow. How big is the pool there? I've not seen it. I'm not a member. No, I've been occasionally for lectures, um, but just to the room where the lecture was. And I've walked by and seen the tennis courts. 
um, but uh, for exploring the whole thing, I haven't seen. Maybe someone can tell us. And um, one comment received in the 70s was a visitor turned to them and said, this is a nice club, but why did you build it so close to all the high-rises? <laughs> Forgetting that it was built in the other way around. around in 1884 when it started. Well, that's the Ladies' Recreation Isn't Club. That? A little bit of a snippet of history there, glimpse into the past. Thank you very much. My pleasure. See you next week, Paul. Thank you.